Well, good morning. I'm excited about the new series that we're going to start. It's entitled Fearless Run Toward the Roar. Run Toward the War. The Roar. Not the, the Roar. You have to say that very carefully. Run Toward the Roar. I know how many of us would run toward the roar of a lion, but that's what God is calling us to do today. That's what Benaiah did in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 20 through 23. He ran toward the roar, toward the lion. He ran to it, not from it. What causes someone to do such an incredibly crazy thing? And we're going to talk about that in the next couple of Sundays. But uh, the title of our message today is entitled, No Guts, No Glory. And what I mean by that, and I want to clarify what I mean by that, is because, because if we do not have the guts, the bravery, the courage, the faith to step out and move into the direction, overcoming whatever obstacle is in our path, to become what God has purposed that we become, we thus rob God of his glory. You see, we as Christ's followers has been, have been saved by Jesus so that we might bring him glory. I mean, if you think about it, that was the original sin, not the one in the garden, but one in heaven, when Satan sought to rob God of his glory and wanted to take God's place. And as a result of that was removed from his place and from the presence of God in heaven. And that's where we get the devil. And ever since then, that's been, I think, the original cause and the original effort that the enemy has 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 had in, not just in heaven, but in and through our lives today, is to rob God of the glory that's rightfully his. And we should then reflect that glory. And you and I, as we, through faith in Christ, begin to move forward in, in spiritual maturity and development and movement in Christ Jesus and following the purpose that he had for our lives when he first conceived of us in our mother's womb and then gave us life as we were birthed. He created us. He designed us. He placed in us this purpose that he wanted to fulfill. And that ultimate purpose as we pursue it is intended as we pursue that and accomplish, achieve, or attain that is to bring him glory. Not ourselves, not even a church, but to glorify God. So when we are filled with fear and we become paralyzed and we cease to move or cease to advance or cease to go forward, the end result is God's glory is robbed. God does not get the glory through the lives that we are to live because we have allowed, for whatever reason, the roar of the enemy, because the enemy is described actually in, in Peter that he is like a roaring lion. If we allow the roar Whatever circumstance, situation, or enemy that is before us that is keeping us from advancing and going into the direction that God has purposed for our lives, we in fact rob God of his glory. And that's the reason why we have the title, No Guts, No Glory, in 2 Samuel 23, 20 through 23. So I want to sort of take a, uh, an introductory, uh, a couple of introductory remarks this morning as we begin this study. We're going to dive into it some more in the next three weeks to come. But as, a, as an introduction, I want us to understand that it's very important that we, we lay a, a solid foundation before we start talking about some principles that I believe we need to implement into our lives that will help us sort of muster up the strength and the faith 
the gut, so to speak, so that we might then glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's take a look at basically those things. Now, before we do, I want to begin in this, this beginning introductory story with a funny story. Let me just read it to you very quickly for time's sake, and uh, I won't embellish it at all because sometimes that takes more time than actually reading it. So let me, because of time, let me just read it. Two men were walking through the forest to their favorite fishing hole one day when they spotted a lion. Instinctively, they froze and watched to see which direction the lion would go before they panicked. He was a magnificent species, the largest lion they'd ever seen. Suddenly, the lion saw them as well and turned toward their direction. The lion moved toward them ever so slowly at first, but with each step seemed to be moving faster. They knew a close encounter wouldn't be far off. The two fishermen, for whatever reason, did not bring their guns on this particular occasion, so they decided the best thing to do is to run for their lives. Instinctively, they darted in the opposite direction toward the house for safety. The lion saw the men running and took off in hot pursuit of his prey. Looking back, the men knew it wouldn't be long before the lion would catch up with them before they made it to the house and to safety. Terrified, one of them shouted to the other, who has always claimed to be a Christian. He said, put up a prayer, John. The lion is going to catch up with us. We are in for it. John answered, I can't, I can't. I've never made a public prayer in my life. But you must, he implored the companion. The lion is kept catching up with us. All right, panted John, almost out of breath. I'll say the only prayer I know, the one my father used to repeat at the table. Oh, Lord, for what we're about to receive, make us truly thankful for your glory. Huh. What do we do with that? When lions are in the path obstructing the direction that God has for our lives. What is your lion today that is in hot pursuit of you? What, what, what burial, what obstacle, what, what situation, what circumstance, what sin, what aspect of your life has, has kept you from moving forward and becoming all that God intends for you to be? What is that one thing? Can you identify it? You may have lived with it for a long time and it's been haunting you for quite some time and for whatever reason you have not advanced toward it. You have not been able to defeat it. You have not been able to achieve it. You have not been able to accomplish it. You have not been able to defeat that adversary and as a result, you are paralyzed and, and, and you're hearing the roar today or you're looking at, at the circumstance and the situation and it seems insurmountable. It seems as if you cannot overcome it, you cannot defeat it, you can't attain it, you can't achieve it. And so as a result of that, you're just, you're just sitting there, you're just standing there, facing this, this circumstance, this situation, and you're not moving forward. Well, today, we're going to begin this study and look at a young man, I'm assuming he's young, named Benaiah, who saw an obstacle in the direction that God had for his life. Because you see, it was through these three battles that he has in these three verses that God used to advance him to become eventually the cupbearer of the king. Not the cupbearer, that's another guy, his name's Daniel. The bodyguard of the king. God had an ultimate purpose for Benaiah's life. He had something he wanted to accomplish and achieve. And had Benaiah not face these three obstacles, especially this lion, he would not have been able to been used by the Lord to accomplish, fulfill the purpose for which God had for his life. 
God, all along, I think, had imagined Benaiah when he gave him life and sustained him life and empowered his life, said, I have something that I want you to be. I want you to be my anointed, my King David, the anointed king that I have selected. I want you to be his bodyguard. And that was a prestigious position. That was a high-ranking office. No one would be entrusted with this office unless they were trustworthy, unless they walked with God, unless they are faithful, but more importantly, unless they were brave. And here we see in this man, in this interesting passage tucked away in this sort of obscure versus scripture, this, this man named Benaiah that many of us in here may not even have known until the moment I mentioned him or the moment that Pastor Mike read his name in this passage. You may, like me, have read this many times as you've read through the Bible and just sort of skip right over this guy's name. But it's here that I think we find that unless we, like him, become fearless and run toward the roar, toward that which intimidates us and that which paralyzes us or that which seems to be an obstacle that we can't overcome, unless we run toward it, challenge it, and have victory over it, we cannot fulfill the purpose for which God designed in our lives. So I want us to take a look at some sort of some, some groundworking principles that we begin this study, and we're going to come back to this very passage for the next couple of Sundays. But let's take a look at, very quickly, seven things. Number one, as we begin, we need to consider the human factor. We need to consider the human factor. Look at the passage it says, In Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, these things did Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the one and one a name beside the three mighty men. Here we see in two verses, verse 20 and 22, that we see that he has described Benaiah as a son of Jehoiada. Not only is he described as a son, but he is described in reference to the other men. The word son is a word that indicates that he is a male human offspring. In other words, unlike today, he is not going to identify his gender at a later time. His gender has already been identified. He is a son. He is a male offspring from his father, Jehoiada. He is a man. And he is a man like the other men. Why do I mention that? Because I think sometimes when you and I read about the heroes of the Bible, we have a tendency to look at them as if they were superhuman, as if they had superpowers, as if they were supermen or superwomen, don't we? And we think as we look in the mirror, there's no way in the world that I could be called to that. There's no way in the world that I could accomplish that. There's no way in the world that I could overcome that. But the reality is that these people are no different than you and I. Benaiah is a son. He is a boy or he is a man. He is, more importantly, a human being. And there's nothing different from him than you and I. So when we read this story in the next several weeks about these mighty men recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 23, I want us to understand that they are no different than we are. And yet, in their humanity, they were able to find a place within their hearts and, and, and a, a call from God and a, and a strength from the Lord that enabled them and empowered them to do superhuman things. Never use your humanity as an excuse for defeat. Because as a Christian, you possess all that is necessary in Christ. For we are more than conquerors, are we not? And as human beings, we cannot say, well, Lord, I was, I was a human, and so we blame our humanity because of our failure, because of our, our paralysis, or because of our indifference, or because of our, our lack of courage. 
And God says, no, you can't use the human factor because I gave you plenty of examples in the Old and New Testament of people just like you who accomplished incredible feats of faith, overcame their fear, and challenged those obstacles that were in the path of seeking to prevent them from becoming all that I created them to become. Which leads us to the second principle is when chasing lions, we need to cultivate positive role models. It's important that we find positive role models, and that's the reason we're studying this text, and we'll be looking at other texts of positive role models throughout this study that help us, that will encourage us, and that will help us see that these human beings were able to do the things that that God would have us do as well. There are no obstacles that we can't overcome, no enemy that we can't defeat, no task that we can't accomplish, no dream that God can't fulfill. Notice in verse 20 it says, And Benaiah the son of Jehoiada was a valiant man of Kabzil, a doer of great deeds. He was the son of Jehoiada, who was a valiant man. He was a valiant man. This, this Jehoiada, if you take a look and, and do some, some, some searching and, and find out some information about him, you discover that he was from the tribe of Levi. He was a Levite, meaning that he was from the tribe of those who were called by God to be the priests of the nation. They were responsible for overseeing the aspects of the temple and the worship. They were responsible for educating the people in the ways of the Lord and in the faith. They were responsible for engaging in the defense of Jerusalem as well. They were priests, but they were also warriors. They were warrior priests because, you see, he was a doer of great deeds. And that, that, that whole phrase here indicates that he was also a mighty warrior. Jehoiada was a mighty warrior priest. He engaged in spiritual battle and he had some incredible enemies and some obstacles and some barriers and some things that were in the path of his purpose and his plan that God had for his life. And yet because of his great courage, he was able to overcome and he too had a reputation of being a man of great deeds. I find it interesting that Benaiah had an incredible example or a model from his father. And I want to speak to the fathers and the grandfathers for just a minute. Never underestimate or undermine the influence you have on your children. Your children will never have a strong faith. They'll never be courageous. They'll never be fearless. They'll never do great deeds unless we as their parents have equal faith. Now, it's not a guarantee, nor is a recipe for successful children, but I'm convinced more is caught than taught. I'm going to say that again. More is caught than taught. And if you're a wimpy, weak, frail, passivist male in your home who doesn't take the challenges and the leadership that God has given you in your family as God ordained it, then that weakness will be passed on to your children. And I am tired of living in a culture that is undermining maleness and the role of men in leadership today. And that's part of the problem with our society. And I'm convinced that as Christ is the head of the church, the husband is the head of the family. 
And as the family goes, it's because of the dad or the father. And I'm convinced that a lot of, of, of Benaiah's strength and courage came from the example of his dad. He saw his dad lead his family and go into battle and defeated the enemy. He was a man of great deeds. And I'm sure while they were around the campfire, because they didn't have Game Boys or, or, or all of those things, they didn't have television with 500 different channels, they sat around the campfire and they told stories that Benaiah heard his father's stories. And when he faced two Moabites, a lion, and eventually an Egyptian with a spear, and all he had was a staff, he was strengthened by the model, by the example he saw from his dad. We need to cultivate positive role models. We need to consider the human factor. Three, we need to, cons- we need to consider what's at stake. It's important for us to think about the stakes Notice in the passage that we read a while ago, he struck down two aerials of Moab. Then he went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a day when the snow had fallen. And then he struck down an Egyptian, a handsome man. I don't know about you, but when you're, when you're engaging in battle and you're facing two uh, Moabites, these, these aerials, they are, they are warriors. They are champion Moabites. They are fierce in battle. These are champions from, Mo, from, from the Moabite country, from Moab. And as a result, these Moabites are strong men. And when he faced them, do you think that, that for a minute they didn't understand that it was to kill or be killed? Somebody was going to win and somebody was going to lose. Somebody was going to come out the victor and somebody was going to come out dead. When he faced this lion in a pit on a snowy day, do you think Benaiah for a moment thought, this is just, I'm just going to wrestle with this guy. We're going to have a little bit of fun. Uh, do you think the lion thought, well, I'm just going to maim him a little bit. I'm not going to devour him. The lion was a, a man-eating lion. And when lions are challenged, they don't back down. And, and the lion knew it's either kill or be killed. But I knew when he went into the pit, it was either kill or be killed. The stakes were high. The stakes were their lives. When he faced the Egyptian with a spear and all he had was a, was a staff, do you think that the outcome wasn't on their minds the stakes were high and when we as Christ followers are considering pursuing the purpose the plan the reason why we are here we need to understand that the stakes are high and the enemy knows it that's why he's relentless and as a result of that we need to understand that the stakes are 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 our lives and that our life, because is at stake and the lives of our children are at stake, we must understand and know those stakes. And that should be the motivating factor that causes us to be the courageous, fearless men and women, Christ followers that we can possibly be. When chasing lions, consider the human factor. Cultivate positive role models. Consider what's at stake. Number four, cultivate the moment. Capture the moment, I'm sorry. Capture the moment. Notice the text. It says that he also went down. Um, he, he struck a lion. He struck down a lion in a pit on a snowy day when the snow had fallen. He struck it down when? On a day. 
on a day. This was the day. This was the moment. When he stood before the two warrior Moabites, that was the moment. That was the day. When he faced the lion, that was the day. When he stood before the Egyptian, that was the day. This is the moment. This is the day. This is the time. This is the opportunity that God has designed for Benaiah to face his greatest fears. I think too often you and I have a tendency to push off these moments. And somehow we think, you know what? Um, I can put this off till tomorrow. And tomorrow comes and we put it off to the next day. And the next day we take, put it off to the next day. And the next day we put it off to the next day. And eventually days become weeks and weeks become months and months become years. And what happens as the end result? That's it. But when the moment, according to the divine plan of God, presents itself to us, we must understand that it is at that moment that we must act. Because that's the moment that God ordained. There's no such thing as a wrong time and a wrong place. Because I'm convinced that God, who is sovereign, brought the two Moabites before Benaiah, brought the lion in his eyesight, and brought the Egyptian before him. Because that was the moment, that was the time, that was the day in which he wanted Benaiah to encounter the obstacle from the purpose that God had for his life. And the moment when God reveals to us what our Moabite, what our lion, what our Egyptian is, that obstacle, the moment he reveals it to us is the moment we must do something about it. Because of that, if we are to do anything in this series at all, whenever God reveals something to you, that is the moment to act. Don't put it off. Number five, we need to count on more battles. When chasing lions, you need to count on more battles. Notice he struck down the two aerials. He chased the lion into a pit in the day, on a snowy day, and he had an encounter with an Egyptian. You know, I looked at that and I said, you know what, I don't know about you, but encountering two of these mighty warriors from Moab might have been sufficient, wouldn't it? I mean, that's a tough battle, one against two, two against one. And as a result of that, you know, that's, that's a pretty fierce battle. And so you think, okay, I've overcome that. I've, I've defeated these two Moabites. I've proven my courage. I've, 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 I've overcome those obstacles. Now I'm ready for God to do in my life what God said and purposed he wanted to do. But that wasn't it. God wasn't through. He sent a lion in his path, in his vision, on a snowy day. And I'm convinced God, who is sovereign over the animal world as well as all of the world, put that lion there on that day for this specific purpose. Because it was this, the slaughtering of the lion, that gave him the reputation, guess what, that, that endeared him to David. If you remember anything about David, and we're going to look at him in this study as well, that he faced a lion, right? before he faced Goliath. And because David faced a lion and killed it, now Benaiah faced a lion and killed it. That endeared the two. It brought them together in a way that, you know, there's nothing that brings two people together like a common experience. And so God wasn't through with the, the Moabites, the two, two warriors from Moab. He sent a lion, but he wasn't through there either. He sent an Egyptian, this tall, handsome Egyptian with his fierce spear and all he had was a staff 
And, and you know, I can imagine when he's facing the Egyptians, he said, Lord, how many more of these do I have to have before you can use me for the purpose for which I was created? But if you know anything about Benaiah later on, he becomes, uh, you know, the, the bodyguard of King David and fights many more battles. He even fights a battle for Solomon in protecting King David when they tried to rob the throne from King David in his rightful heirship according to God. But I had a lifelong battle against obstacle after obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And I don't know about you, but sometimes, do you get tired of these, these encounters? Don't you wish you could just sort of, you know, find a flat piece of land and just put it in cruise and just relax and there's no more enemy and there's no more obstacles and there's no more barriers there's no more temptation there's no more nothing you just this is just wouldn't that be great is that reality i think sometimes it's more about endurance than it is anything else i mean uh, in in a couple of months uh Patty and I are going to celebrate 40 years of marriage. But not only that, but I'm going to celebrate 40 years in ministry. And I have a lot of people say, how did you endure 40 years of ministry? I'm saying, endurance. I'm just too stubborn to quit. It's not been easy for 40 years serving the Lord. And it's not going to be easy for you. In your personal life, in your professional life, in your family life. And, and as soon as you get through one battle, guess what? There's another one coming. You either have just been through a battle and you're going, ah, I'm glad that's over, or you're in the middle of one, or you're about to be in one. There's no, there's no end to it because it, it's what propels us it what it's what moves us into becoming the the mighty warriors that God has called us to be in Christ Jesus and as we see these studies and we think about and lay a foundation for for what we're going to be learning together I want you to understand you need to count on more battles to come when you face this lion this Moabite this Egyptian that's in your path that's robbing you of becoming who Christ intended for you to be number six we need to combat misconceptions we need to combat misconceptions when chasing lions he struck down two aerials of moab he struck down a lion he struck down an egyptian didn't he i don't know about you but these two aerials more than likely because they were moabites and they were fierce warriors they stood there pretty proud pretty strong and they're seeing this guy named benaiah he didn't look kind of a little wimpy to me i'm not sure he can take on the two of us what do you think there was any kind of talk there was between goliath and david wasn't there you see the enemy is never silent are they I mean, we studied Acts in chapter 4 where the enemy was very vocal. You do this and we'll do that. They were intimidating them. They spoke words of intimidation and threats. I, I, I don't know for a fact because it's not recorded, but I don't think these two Moabites who were fierce warriors just sort of didn't say a word. There's a big boxing match or something going on here soon. Yeah, it was last night. 
goes to show you, I didn't pay-per-view to watch it. I didn't either. But one thing about it, they were talking about the other guy who was the, the Scottish dude or the, the Irish dude. He talks the whole time. Constant chatter. Never stops. Even when he's getting beaten, he never stops. The enemy never stops. If he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, does the roar ever stop? And why does he roar? Do you think when Benaiah went into that, that pit on that snowy day and encountered that lion, that lion just said, go ahead, kill me. What do lions do to intimidate, to show power and dominance? They roar. And that roar was intended to frighten Benaiah and to run. You know, there's a misconception there's a misrepresentation as we lay a foundation for those lions in our lives that are designed by the enemy to prevent us from going on the Lord. They roar a lot and they seek to intimidate. But we need to know that our God is a mighty God and our Lord is greater than them, that he is sovereign. And they, when they speak and when they roar and when they, when they do all their chatter to intimidate and to threaten us, they're not greater than our God. Isn't it true when you're in that rock and that hard place or you're going through some difficult times, there are little whispers going on in your ear? You can't do that. You can't defeat me. This sin has been too long in your life. <laughs> you're mine. I'm going to defeat you. You're weak and you're worthless. You're not going to make it. We listen to those. And we, we, we need to understand that those are misrepresentations. Those are misconceptions on the enemy's part, believing that they are greater than our God. Satan, in all his stupidity, thought that the creation could overthrow the creator in heaven. What a stupid person he is. I mean, think about it. To think that the one who created me, I can overthrow him. That is, that is stupid, isn't it? And he hasn't stopped trying to convince us who are Christ's followers that he's invincible, that we can't overcome him with his threats and intimidations. And we need to combat those misrepresentations and those misconceptions because those obstacles are, are overcomable and those barriers are defeatable. And then last, we need to commit to, an, to the act of advancement. Commit to the act, or to act and to advancement. It's important that we do that. Notice that he struck down two aerials, that he went down and he struck down the lion in a pit and he struck down an Egyptian. I don't know about you, but that, that says action to me, doesn't it? He took action. He advanced. He moved. He charged. He challenged. He confronted. He did combat. He did battle. You see, you and I can, can sit here as we analyze our lives and we can identify these lions or these giants or these Moabites or these Egyptians that are there and we know that unless, uh, th that we know they're there and we can, we can hear their roar and their intimidation factor and, and all that they're saying and we, we can just sit here and, and, but unless we take and put one step in front of the other, guess what? They'll still be there tomorrow. 
And, and, and we'll still be robbing God of his glory by advancing, by growing spiritually, by moving into the likeness of Jesus. There has to be somewhere, once we identify what those obstacles, what those barriers, what those challenges are to what God wants to do in and through us, there has to be on our part a commitment to act, to action, to advancement. Or there will never be victory. Benaiah acted and he moved forward, one step in front of the other, toward the Moabites, down toward the lion, and against the Egyptian. And it was that commitment to act, to advancement, that brought him the victory. A couple of years ago, I told a story about a, a very kind, elderly gentleman that went on a walk every day in his neighborhood. And on one particular day, he was walking and he noticed a little fellow who was, who was uh, on the front porch of, of a house that he was familiar with. And he was trying to jump up and, and punch the, the doorbell, but he was too short. And so he decided he would assist the young fellow. He went over there and said, young, young fellow, what you trying to do? He said, I'm trying to ring the doorbell. He said, do you need some help? He said, sure, I, I need some help. So he rang the doorbell and he looked at the little fellow and said, all right, young man, what do we do now? And the little fellow looked up and said, we run. The question is, which direction are you going to run toward? I'm convinced standing still is not a possibility. You will either run toward your lion or you will run from your lion. And it's your commitment and your faith and your courage in God that will make all the difference. God's not going to just do it for you. He can, but it doesn't work that way. For some unknown reason to me, he made us these carnal, frail, independent thinking, loner people to fulfill his purpose through us. I wish, I wish we were just robots where he just programmed us and we did it wouldn't that be easier for some unknown reason he gave us a will i hate that don't you i do life would be so much simpler if i didn't have a will if i didn't have a want to do what charles wants to do and you struggle with the same thing it begins with a desire that moves into a direction in order for us to see that, those obstacles being removed and robbing God of the glory that he wants to do through you. I don't know, it blows my mind. Doesn't it blow yours that God wants to glorify himself through me? He wants me to bring glory to him. And that glory can only be brought to him as I commit to charge courageously those obstacles in my path that are preventing me from spiritual maturity and fulfilling the purpose for which God has for my life. So the question is, will I run toward my lion or run away from him? Question number two. What's the lion I need to chase starting today? What's the obstacle? What's the barrier? What's the enemy? 
What is that one thing that, that you've been haunted with for quite some time? It's there. You've heard it. You've felt it. You've seen it. You know it. When are you going to start? Make today the day.